So let's uh, open our Bibles to Mark chapter 2, and uh, you'll see the title of today's uh, sermon is Jesus and the Sabbath, part 1. And we're going to look at what this looks like for us to enjoy the Sabbath rest of the Lord. Again, a fitting day that we would lose an hour of sleep, and here we would find ourselves talking about the Sabbath rest of the Lord, but um, that's how the Lord works, right? Um, and this past uh, week as I got up to preach and was joking about, uh, we were talking about fasting, and I laughed about how uh, preaching about fasting, and it was like a pound cake showed up at the house, and cookies showed up at the house, and I was wondering, preaching on fasting, is it just going to be one of those weeks, you know, one of those weeks? But can I tell you something beautiful just happened yesterday? I mean, I was, uh, be honest, wrestling over what is the right way to say all this stuff. There's a lot to talk about when you talk about the Sabbath. There's a lot of different angles you could take. And I I was wrestling heavily with how do you preach on this in a succinct way and 20 so minutes to talk about all the things that need to be talked about in a way that would make sense, that would be practical for us, that wouldn't be getting too deep in the weeds of things that wouldn't be beneficial at this moment. Sitting in the backyard yesterday, y'all are aware we had a beautiful day yesterday, did we not? Sitting in the backyard, we we filled up the pool in the backyard, the little inflatable pool, and the kids were playing and just sat in a chair for about an hour and just looked around and just took in the beauty of the trees. I'm not trying to be overly dumb here, but like just took in the beauty of the trees the laughter of the kids playing, the rest of sitting in a chair while the sun hit my face. And it was a beautiful, beautiful day. You look at these times in which you feel like, man, do you take time just to rest in the goodness of the Lord? And I spent so much, what am I going to say? What am I going to talk about? What what are the things that we're going to talk about this morning? And just sitting in that chair being reminded, it is good to rest. It's good You need it. Some of you need it a lot more than others. We need to rest. It's good for us to rest. And we live in a culture that celebrates everything but resting. And so this morning, I'm thankful for a day yesterday just to enjoy the rest of God. To not worry about so many different things that could be creeping up, but to simply sit in a chair and thank the Lord for his creation to enjoy the laughter of kids playing, the sunlight hitting your face and just saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this. To sit in a room like this and to say, Lord, thank you for the people all around this place. Thank you for the, the joy of hearing the reflections sing and lift up and proclaim your name. Hear Lily proclaim the gospel to talk and hear Ansley and Grant share and sing scripture. I mean, this is soothing to our souls and gives us rest. So this morning, we're going to launch into this thing, and we're going to see where the Lord takes us and just ask ourselves, Lord, what are you calling us to? We're busy people. We've got full calendars. Some of us don't have time to sit down and Sabbath rest. So let's talk about what this looks like for us. So let's, let's start where we need to start, and that's with Scripture. All right, so let's open your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Uh, starting in verse 23, we finished in 22 last week, and we'll pick up a little bit in 21 through 22 that we didn't quite have time to finish last week. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? 
Verse 25, And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered into the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate of the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And when he said it to them, the Sabbath, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, help us this morning. I know we've all come in here with a lot of different things. And so, Lord, bless us with the reality of what this could look like in our lives and how we can rest deeply in you. Lord, be with us now as we open your word, as we study your word, not that we would learn more information, but that it would lead as we walk out of this place and leave 305 South Perry Street that would affect our homes, our influence, our mouths, our hearts, our heads, and every portion of us. Lord, be with us now. In your name we pray. Amen. You were reminded last week we talked about fasting. We talked about the Pharisees uh, just always frustrated with Jesus and uh, getting frustrated with his interaction with uh, fasting, how his disciples were not fasting and John's disciples were and the Pharisees were. And Jesus reminds them in verse 21 through 22 that no one sews a, a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, nor do you put new wine in old wineskins. Jesus was not coming just to simply put a patch on things. He was coming to fulfill the Old Testament and bring with him a new covenant. Which you see in verse 28 that so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Demonstrating that even of the Sabbath, Jesus has authority. Now, this is a key word that we've looked at time and time again, that Jesus' authority in the word as he was teaching. The scribes and Pharisees were shocked at his authority. He has authority over demons, as we've seen him heal a demon-possessed man. He's got um, authority over disease, as you've seen him heal diseases. He's got authority over death, as we'll see. And he's got authority over all things, including here the Sabbath. You see, Jesus is not just some man. He's coming with authority as coming as the Son of Man. So I want to ask you an important question this morning. Are you drained or are you fulfilled? It's an important question. It's the first on your outline this morning. Just a simple question. Am I drained or am I fulfilled? I don't know how you've walked into this place this morning. Maybe you are a little tired after losing an hour of sleep, and that's not quite what I'm talking about. I'm asking the question, are you drained over the weariness of your days and the weariness of your toil and your work, or are you fulfilled living out of your rest? I don't know. Uh, my, Micah is, uh, just loves superheroes. The kid loves some superheroes, all of them. He's not discriminatory about which superhero. As long as they wear a cape and a costume, he's happy with it. And I believe that we've missed a key superhero that I, I believe I kind of am. I've got an incredible superpower. See, I've learned this incredible superpower over many years of driving a car that I know the precise moment that my car is going to run out of gas. It's an incredible superpower, right? To know that that little, that little E and F and the full and the thing and the little thing in your car that says this many miles until E, that's garbage, right? You don't need to follow that. See, I know. I know exactly how many miles until my car goes down. Did you know that I run that thing and figure it out? I know. I know when it says 30 miles that I've got, 
about 60 miles. And when that thing goes to zero, I know, man, I got about 20 more miles. And it is like a superpower to know exactly how many miles until that car goes kaput. And something that annoys my wife to no end is usually when I go fill up the tank, there's something in me. Maybe I'm rushed or I like to play the game where you try to fill it up exactly at $10 or $12 and get it to be perfect on the dot where I usually never fill the car up all the way. I know it's stupid, but I just, I don't like to do it. I just feel, I I don't know, maybe it's from back in the day when we, you know, just filling it up a little bit. I don't know. But there's something in me that I've learned this art of living with my car on E. I'm perfect at it. I'm awesome at it. I've never run out of gas. But it's a terrible way to live your life. It's horrible. Don't start. It's a terrible way to do things. Do you know, many of us have found that we've become really good at living our spiritual and physical lives always on E. We know that moment that we're almost to the edge and we get a little, get a little rest, get a little peace of the Lord. We get a little bit to get that gas tank up, but we never fully get ourselves fulfilled. We never feel ourselves feeling full. We just get enough to get us over the hump so we can make it through the work week, so we can make it through the day, but we never fulfill our souls. We never drink deep of the living water and we become too accustomed to living our lives always on the other side of the dash. This is tough. I can confess there's been many a seasons of life where I've gotten really good of masking my way on that E, walking through my spiritual existence, always teetering around that E. And so what does the Lord give us? He's, he's talked about this Sabbath day, and surely that was for back in the day. Is that for us now? Are we called to live in Sabbath? Are we called to even take steps outside of our, our home to go to church? What are we supposed to do on a Sabbath day? And so let's, let's dive in here and let's just ask ourselves, what is the Lord calling us to in terms of Sabbath rest? Now, the Pharisees are frustrated with Jesus because they're going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, the disciples are plucking heads of grain on the Sabbath. Right? How dare they, right? Pluck heads of grain on the Sabbath. And that's not really the problem. It's not illegal for them to pluck the heads of grain, but they're, they're threshing it in their hands, so they're working on the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees, and I've got to pause for a second, because as I'm reading through the book of Mark, do you ever get frustrated with the Pharisees? I mean, every time Jesus does anything, they're the Pharisees to say, hey man, ho, Jesus, I see what you did. It's almost like, you know, when you're your older brother or younger, younger sibling and you see your brother or sister do not something they're supposed to and you say, Mom, look, hey, they, 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 they did something they're not supposed to. They're jumping on the bed, Mom and Dad. They're jumping on the bed. Come get them. Not your kids, right? Not your kids. But it seems like the Pharisees are just so petty all the time. I mean, they're just picking a little grain and rubbing it in their hands and here they are. Why are they even walking with Jesus? Why are they around Jesus? He's walking to the grain fields. Why are they following him in this moment? Get frustrated a little bit with these guys. I mean, What's the deal? But in it, Jesus always sows such grace, and he, he kind of responds in such a, a good way. And he, he looked at the Pharisees and these teachers of the law that would seem to know everything, have read all the, the teachings of the law. They would know everything. And they said, I mean, hey, Pharisees, haven't, haven't you guys read about this? Surely you teachers of the law, y'all would know about this, right? You, you, you got it all together here. Don't you remember what David did and how he was not lawful for the priest to eat, but it was okay because he was with him? And then in verse 27, this is where I want to spend our time this morning. He says, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. 
This morning, I want us to recognize that the Sabbath, this rest that the Lord calls us to, is not meant as a punishment for us, but protection over us. It's not meant as punishment to say, you can't do this, you can't do all these things, you can't do this, 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 and this, you you need to rest, you need to rest. It's not meant as a punishment for you and me, it's meant as a protection and a guard for us. Same way, fasting is not meant to be some punishment to say, you've got to do this, if you don't do it, you're going to hell. It's meant to be a joy that we get to establish, not a, a burden that we bear, but a blessing that we enjoy. And yeah, things may look different than they did in in the Old Testament, but at the same time, when we forsake the blessing that God has given us, we, we suffer for it. And so let's dive our way through these next few points. One, number one, and you see on your outline, is that God is at the center of our Sabbath. Let's look for a moment and recognize when and we get this understanding of Sabbath that you remember in Genesis, the creation story, that in six days God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. He created light and the expanse. And he created everything that is. He created the fish and the birds and the stars and the sky. He created everything that's in existence was created and by, by God in Genesis 1 and 2. And you see that he's created in six days. And what did he do on the seventh? This is not the time to get your Sabbath rest during the sermon. All right. So Jesus did what on the seventh day? He rested. Thank you. There we go. He rested on the seventh day. Did God need to rest? Of course not. Was God fatigued by his six days of creating all things? And yes, he did create a lot, and he did create everything that was in creation, but did God need to rest? Was he fatigued? Does God get fatigued? Of course not. And so God on the seventh day did not need to rest, but on the seventh day he rested and set apart this day and considered it holy. And I want you to think for a moment that since the beginning of creation to this day that we're in, March 14th, I think, whatever day we're in right now, that whatever he's done from since the beginning of creation to this very day, we have continued on this pattern of seven-day weeks. It's a reminder that every single day that goes by, every week that goes over is a continual reminder that God created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. The reminder of the creation that he has done, that God created all things, that he's restored and redeeming all things. So we still, years down the road, are still living under the reality that in six days God created, and on the seventh day God rested. In Exodus 20, God allowed the Sabbath to be one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In six days you labor, on the seventh you rest, you set apart this day and keep it holy. This is the Old Testament understanding of Sabbath, that there would be a day in which you would rest and drink deeply in worship and of the Lord. Let's go to number two, that Sabbath rest focuses us on what we find in Jesus. Sabbath rest focuses us on what we find in Jesus. If you look at your outline, you see Colossians 2.16 says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or the Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is in Christ. And so we see that Jesus is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's doing what is considered unlawful by the Pharisees on the Sabbath day. And so we see in verse 16, let no one pass judgment on you and how you eat or drink or with regard to festivals or a Sabbath. That this Sabbath rest that we have been foreshadowing that's coming is what we find in the Lord, that we find rest in the Lord. 
We'll talk about Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest in just a moment. But what we see is that Sabbath rest focuses us, you and me, on what we find in Jesus. I want to stop for a moment because I can believe that there's many of us who would say, well, what does this look like for me? Have kids at our house and a Sabbath day or Sabbath rest or a Sabbath time looks very different than someone who may be retired. A time of rest may look different for someone who's in high school than it would in college or in doctoral studies. Time of Sabbath, intentionally setting apart time to rest and intentionality may look different in your stage of life. Let me ask you some key questions that you may want to jot down for a moment. What does this look like for you? And let me ask you this important question. Are you too busy to rest? Are you too busy to rest? Do you know in our culture, usually when someone asks, how are you? What's been going on? Do you know what our number one response is? Been busy. Busy. Man, we are, things are just busy. It's not that it's untrue, but that's how we at times feel satisfaction that people will affirm us if we are busy, busy, busy. We can't rest. We're, we're too busy, right? So let me ask you, are you too busy to rest? If you would say, yes, I am way too busy to rest. So what do we need to do differently? What are some things that you may need to say no to to rest? Number three, maybe what are you wasting time on that can be redeemed to rest? Are there things and places in your life that you are wasting that you need to maybe redeem in terms of rest? Then number four, are we intentional about rest? Are we intentional about rest? Mine is I was reading about years and years ago when when new machines were taking hold of uh, households and you had things like the washing machine and the dryer and the irons and different things that were coming out to make our lives easier. And they were foreshadowing a day when all these machines would take over all this work and we would have so much time for leisure and rest. And they were thinking, oh man, washing machines are going to take over and you'll be able to do a load of laundry and not worry about it. You can put your food in this little machine and press a button and your food will be cooked and ready to go and you don't have to worry about the hours of cooking. And what we found is that we're not less busy than we've ever been. We seem to be more busy than we've ever been. All these conveniences that we've experienced that we're supposed to allow us to rest, we've only replaced with more and more and more work. Culturally, we are more busy than we've ever been, even though we have more conveniences to help us with our labors than we've ever been. And so to ask the question, are you too busy to rest? Are you intentional about your resting? See, number three. Sorry with my numbers. I know I'm messing you up. (laughs) Sabbath rest on the back of your outline. Sabbath rest is to be a blessing, not a burden. Sabbath rest is called to be a blessing for us, not a burden over you. Mark 3, 4, as Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath, he looks at the Pharisees that we'll look at next week, and he reminds them, is it forbidden to do good on the Sabbath? Should I do harm on the Sabbath rather than good? The Pharisees were were so focused on creating all these laws and rules in which you couldn't take this many steps, you couldn't do this, you couldn't do this, you couldn't eat these different things, you couldn't walk this far away from your house, you couldn't do this amount of work, or you would be considered working on the Sabbath, breaking the Sabbath, and guilty of breaking the law. But you see that God has instituted Sabbath rest for us, for our protection, not for the burden to bear. It's for a blessing for us. 
In the last moments, I want to look at this fourth thing that it'll be the crux of what we're talking about. It's the simplest of terms, but it's the, in reality the biggest for me. Number four, without rest, you and I, we weary. Without rest, we weary. Can I tell you this truth from my own life? As I've looked back and, and deeply thought about what in the world to talk about in terms of Sabbath, as I've thought about my life and the seasons of life in which I have not rested well, as I think back to times in which I have not enjoyed the Sabbath rest of the Lord to, to rest and take intentional time away to, to focus and just drink deeply of the living water, when I think about the times when I've spent so much time on E in my life physically, can I tell you that I'm not a good husband? I'm just not. When I live my life in weary mode, I'm not a good husband. I can tell you, when I spin my wheels, burning the candle at both ends of the flame, I'm not a good father. I'm short-tempered. I'm not patient. I'm not kind and compassionate. I'm irritable. I'm not tender-hearted. And I don't simply love well. When I'm so busy in ministry that I don't take time to rest, I'm not a good minister of the gospel. And I tell you, when we don't take time to rest, we weary, we burn out, and we are not effective in the very things that God has called us to do. And so I recognize that we can say, Lord, this, Mark, this may be just an old-time thing. This is something that we did back in the day. This is not something for us now. But, friends, if we don't rest and if we don't drink deeply of the living water, if we don't encourage and nourish our souls, then we will weary and we will burn out and you will not be the effective person that God has called you to be for his kingdom. It happens over and over and over in my life as I've gone through seasons where I have not rested well. I can look back and trace my days and see, man, I I was short-tempered. I was short with my kids, or I lashed out in anger, or I was not compassionate. When I'm so busy that I don't have time to enjoy the distractions the Lord gives and to say, Lord, I feel that I need to go this way and help this person out. When I'm so busy trying to get all these things done, trying to be more busy for the kingdom, you know, I neglect the very things that God has called me to do. Friends, without rest, we weary. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Well, friends, I know that today many of you walked in, have walked in with a heavy load on your shoulders. It's heavy. You're tired. You're fatigued. This year may have done it in for you, and you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. Can I give you Matthew eleven twenty eight? Come to me, all you, even, even you, who are weary, burdened, and heavy laden. And the Lord says he will give you rest. For those of you who are believers, you may understand what this looks like and what that means, but can I tell you, if you don't know the Lord, maybe you may have this 
idea, or maybe if you've known the Lord for a long time, maybe you've been frustrated by this verse saying, Lord, I, I want to come to you. I want to come and come, come know you. And so I just want to slap the easy button and say, yes, Lord, I know you. And so now would you take my problems away and would you let me rest in you deeply and everything's just going to be okay. You know as well as I do when we see this verse, come to me all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. We know that coming to the Lord does not just simply dissolve all of our problems. We don't come to the Lord and then everything just melts away and all of a sudden we have no anxiety, no struggle, no, no frustrations, no health issues, no, no labors, no, no struggles in our jobs and marriages. It doesn't mean we just come to Jesus and everything just simply melts away. What it means is Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that we would not be anxious about anything, but in everything, but prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we lift our requests to the Lord, knowing that the peace of God, that rest that comes by knowing that God has saved our souls from the pit of hell, that he has done the mighty work of salvation in our hearts, and we simply need to rest and that he walks with us through the most challenging of seasons. He walks with us through our grief. He gives us peace in our hearts. He guards our hearts and minds. He walks and encourages us in the most difficult of days and difficult of circumstances. He walks and encourages our hearts. Yes, our problems don't simply melt away, but he, we find that he walks and comforts our souls when we are parched. And so this morning, if you don't know Jesus, your chief concern is not to find simple rest. Your, your concern is to find the rest that comes from knowing Jesus. So this morning, if you came in here drained, in the same way last week, I, I, I'm not going to just ask you, leave this place and, hey, you need to pick a day and let that be your Sabbath day every day. I'm not, I'm not calling you to do that. What I am calling you to pray about, Lord, what does it look like for me to rest and have time to intentionally focus and drink deeply of your living water? What does it look like for me to at times say no to some good things so I can rest and enjoy your presence? What does it look like for me to say no to some things and say yes to you? What does it look like for me to redeem some wasted times to enjoy your presence and take my life that's on E and move it to full? What does that look like for you? And I pray that you would pray about it. I've been so encouraged this past week to hear your stories of how you've given testimony to what fasting has meant in your life. In your Bible fellowship classes, you've talked about it. You've been encouraged by it. You've talked about what it means and looks like in your life. And so as iron sharpens iron, you've sharpened one another and you've sharpened me. So I would encourage you to talk about what does it look like in your life to rest and enjoy the rest that comes from knowing God. That's my call for you today. What does this look like? What does it look like for you to rest and enjoy the Lord's presence. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, help us. We admit fully that we are not well resters. That so often we go through a week so that we can make it to a time that we can rest on a Saturday and Sunday. Lord, I pray our Saturdays and Sundays, our Sundays can propel us through the week, that we can rest deeply and trust deeply in you. I pray for those today that would say they are, they are tired, they are physically, spiritually, completely drained. Lord, I pray that today they would find rest in you. Or that they would set aside intentional time or that they would put aside distractions and, and things that drain them and simply enjoy your presence. Lord, I know that we all carry so many heavy burdens. And Lord, today, I pray that Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 is alive and real for us.
Lord, thank you for this blessing of Sabbath rest. Thank you for what it means for us to connect with you, that you've given us protections in our hearts to rest and enjoy. Lord, we love you and thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.